Welcome back to Thirsty the Podcast. I'm Laura Koo. And I'm Heather McGee. Today, we're talking about coming out later in life with Kelsey Banyan and Holly Conroy. Welcome, everybody. As a reminder, a couple of easy free ways to support the show. Um, Please share Thirsty with your community. Um, If you find that this content resonates with you and might with other people that you know, please share it. And then as a reminder, rate, review, and follow us wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us today. We're always talking on Thirsty about making your next chapter your best chapter. And one thing Heather and I have noticed over the past few years in our friend groups and in different divorce and dating groups, because I feel like we're in all of the divorce and dating groups that exist, um, that more and more women are coming out later in life, often in conjunction with a big life change, um, like like a divorce or a long-term relationship ending. Um, And with that said, we are so excited to have our guests, Kelsey Banyan and Holly Conroy with us today to share how they are redefining their post-divorce lives. And for a little bit of backstory, um, Heather and I and Holly and Kelsey all met each other um, when we were planning our weddings about a million trillion years ago, (laughs) another (laughs) lifetime ago. Cue raucous laughter. (laughs) (laughs) And we um, uh, wrote about our weddings on a large wedding website, which again is just hilarious for so many reasons. But that also means we are all very used to, I feel like, talking about our lives on the internet. So (laughs) podcasts didn't exist then because again, it was a million years ago, but blogs were all the rage and we were writing about our weddings and sharing all the details. Um, and I feel like since that point, um, we have all had unique journeys um, since our weddings and have gone down different paths and different life experiences. And I think it's so exciting to bring all of us together today to kind of chat through um, what Kelsey and Holly have been up to um, since I do a long time ago. And also, as a side note, I coordinated Kelsey's wedding. So I was there for her I do day, which was also really fun. <laughs> and on journey, y'all. Kelsey, would you be able to share a little bit of your story with our listeners? Sure. I am a mom of two in the burbs and I was married for I think 11 years before I came out to my husband. Um, But I have a coming out story that isn't really coming out. It was more of telling people a little bit here and there, but it was really interesting because, you know, I kind of came to this realization officially in my body and was like, Great. Thank you, Brain. I'm in a monogamous heterosexual relationship. We have been together for a very long time. I love myself for coming to this realization at a point where I can do absolutely nothing with it. So it's been a really interesting journey over the last couple of years. A lot to dig into later. Thank you, Kelsey. (laughs) And Holly, what about you? What's your backstory setting the stage? Okay. So where do I even begin? Um, I was married for I guess about eight years to someone I still love deeply, a man. Um, He was my best friend. We're still very close. And I don't really know when the realization hit me that I'm gay. But one night I was sitting in bed and we were next to each other. We were living outside of Chicago. We didn't have a lot. We were living in a really tiny place. I was reading a book and I just closed the book. And I turned to him and I said, I have to tell you something. 
I think I'm gay. And honestly, until that point, I didn't even really uh, know that about myself. And it just sort of erupted out of me. And that was two years ago this month. And my life has changed a lot since then. <laughs> I have a question for you guys. You know, something I've been, I don't know why this is, I think because all season we've been talking to people, um, we've on purpose book guests that have very unique experiences that are maybe not what you would normally expect all the time. Like it's, or not what uh, society expects us to be necessarily. And something I've been thinking about a lot for me, I know when I was married, unknowingly and unconsciously, I wish I would have gotten divorced before I got married. I think that would have been helpful to be in my life, to be honest. Sometimes with heterosexual marriage, we get in there and there's this box we've agreed to. And it's almost like my brain didn't even consider that there was more behind the box that I put myself into. And I've had all these realizations of different sorts, like maybe actually I wasn't meant to get married in the first place. Like, but I filled the box that I put myself in. And I'm just curious if that idea resonates with you all about you're in a heterosexual monogamous marriage and you start to realize maybe that's not exactly the right place for you. I can start out here. I think I've learned a lot over the last few years about the concept of the relationship escalator. And I don't know if it's just relationship, but I grew up in a middle-class family in the Midwest. We I went to a private Christian school. I didn't go to church, but there's still a lot of that expectation about like, when you grow up, this is what success looks like. You go to high school, you graduate, you do well, you go to college, you meet somebody, you have a marriage or a wedding, you buy a house, you get a dog, you have children. And it's, it was all planned out. And I even myself had a timeline that I came up with. I don't know. I was like 18. I was like, I'm going to get married by 26. I'm going to have a child by the time I'm 30. And I did it. <laughs> I got married, you know, two months before I turned 27. I had my first child one month after I turned 30. And so even whether it's the box or it was just this massive goal to just conform. I'm also my parent, my mom's an immigrant. And so I think there's also another layer there of she gave up so much to be here, to send me to private school, to be able to allow me to have success in my future, that I really, really needed to be able to fit into what that definition of what success was, not just financially and professionally, but personally as well, to have a life that she could be proud of, because she gave up so much to be there for me. I think you're absolutely this, um, but not just within relationships, really about, I think, the entire lifestyle. Kelsey, I think we followed the same timelines because I was married when I was 27. I had my first child a month after I turned 30. Um, very similar parallels, but same thing. I was so focused on these steps. Like we're going to do the next thing. We're going to buy a house. We're going to get a dog. We're going to have a baby. Like and all, And I never stopped to really think about is this what I want? Is this relationship? Or like, I didn't do any focusing on the, if the relationship was working, it was like, well, the, again, this is what success looks like. This is what I see in movies. This is what feels right. And you never stop to question because you're just constantly moving forward. Ollie, I think you had something you wanted to pop in with. Yeah. So something I've been learning a lot about these last few years is compulsory heterosexuality or compet. And that is like societal pressure or pressure we put it on ourselves that we need to meet these goals by a certain time. It needs to be a heterosexual relationship or marriage. And we need to do all of this. And, and a lot of times we believe it in ourselves. So when we see, you know, me as like a queer woman, if I see another beautiful woman, I think, oh, 
Well, she's just like really beautiful. And I aspire to be like her instead of like, I really have a crush on her. So that's a concept that I've been learning a lot about. And like, I was married twice to two different guys. And the first relationship was pretty toxic. You know, looking back on it, I was, I was really young, but at the same time, I thought it was all because of him or because our relationship was bad. And that's why we didn't work out. And then I got married the second time to someone who was not toxic, who I loved, who was very safe, loving, wonderful, generous. And I thought, okay, well, I'll just go with someone who's the opposite of that. That's the cure, right? But then it still wasn't working. And I thought, what is it? And so instead of looking at myself, I looked at everything around me. I looked at the guys. I looked at, you know, all of the external factors that were coming into play when really all I needed to do is like look at myself and be like, is this like really what's right here? And like, it, it wasn't. Surprise. So yeah. Compet. Was there, was there anything that happened in particular that made you realize, start to have these realizations about yourself or started to click that there was something else going on that you hadn't ever considered? So I don't think there was a specific aha moment. And like for a little context, um, since I came out, I started a meetup group for people in Chicago. It's open for cis and trans women and non-binary folks who came out later in life. It's like the Chicago Late Bloomers group. So I've heard a lot of coming out late stories lately. We have like 300 members. It's pretty active. It's really great. But it seems like there's not a lot of aha moments, rather like it's just like a lot of moments that build up and we don't even really realize them until it erupts, until you say something, until you feel like you blow your life up. And that's a really scary feeling. Um, Kelsey, you may have a different answer to this. I think I've always said that everybody's a little bit bisexual because I am bisexual and I wasn't really willing to accept that. And I've said it since I was in high school. Everybody's a little bit bisexual. You see this beautiful woman and you're like, well, yeah, I can appreciate her, her beauty, how gorgeous she is. And that's just because magazines have taught me to appreciate a beautiful woman in this way, the same way that I appreciate a beautiful man without thinking about how that makes me feel in my body just letting it sit in my brain as yes she's beautiful I I aspire to look like her which is not the case um and so I think for me it is it's a buildup of all of those different things but one of the things that I think really helped me over the last couple of years because I think I mentioned it probably maybe three four years ago to my husband at the time of hey I think I'm bi and he's like cool great I was like cool, let's go watch the next thing on Netflix. Like it was not really a conversation and I didn't really own it. I didn't have a flag outside my house. I was going to pride, but I wasn't like, I'm proud and bi or pan or I didn't even know the words for pan yet. And over the past couple of years, I think there's something really, really important about representation in media because I have been watching so much queer young adult television and it is really, really self-affirming in terms of this is who I am. And this is the young adult coming of age moment that I missed. That like, I think was like sitting inside me, but I didn't know what to do because of that compulsory um, heterosexuality. And so being able to watch shows like Heartstopper, like the half of it, and really seeing this story of somebody who is struggling with how do I talk about this? How do I, especially as somebody who's bisexual, how do I talk about the fact that I think that there's space for both and it's not because I'm greedy, but because I just, I'm really interested in the person that you are. And I think that there's something beautiful that attracts me to you. Um, 
having those stories play out on screen in a really beautiful way that isn't this little paperback I found in the back of a bookstore, but actually beautifully produced on my television right next to tons of other Emmy award-winning programming, I think was really, really validating and helped me feel more strong and more certain about who I was because I really related to these high school teenage stories in a way that I'd never really felt that way before beyond the like sweet young adult romance that you see. Jimmy, the quarterback loves me and I'm so excited. That wasn't always the story. It wasn't every time that I felt that way. I think there's a big significance to how the media has shifted from when we were growing up and re-watching things that I just blanketly accepted from high school or early college years where looking back on it, like LGBTQ jokes, like it was, it was cruel. There was so much cruelty in that media that we were consuming. And then shifting to now I also like a lot of shows on Netflix that are geared toward like 14 15 year old girls I think that what the what's being created right now is so just adorable and sweet but again there's such a just an empowering movement in these shows that I think about my kids watching them and they will see these examples of like well anything goes and everything is okay and everyone is accepted which is not what we grew up with y'all are bringing up two things and this is always dangerous i'm really bad about like i have two thoughts and then i'm gonna forget the second one so let's all cross our fingers that that doesn't happen today kelsey you're bringing up something about language and i think that's really interesting because something i've been thinking about too well please correct me if you do not agree with this. this is something that just i've been thinking about about how sexual sexuality so often is a spectrum like And we want to put labels on things. We want to put boxes on things. And it's almost like we feel like if we can label it, then we can understand it. But I don't know if that's really how it works. For example, people will ask me things. They'll be like, Heather, you know, are you straight? You know, like I'm simplifying a little bit. And I'll be like, well, mostly, I guess. But like that does saying I'm straight doesn't really feel correct because I'm a little bit not straight, not to the degree that I end up dating women most of the time, but I'm not totally straight. And so it kind of brings up this thought of like, so often people's answers are, well, I guess, kind of, and the labels feel weird. And I just kind of wonder if you all have any thoughts on labels and language and boxes, all of that. I have a lot of thoughts on that. Um, I think that when you're coming out, there's extra pressure, coming out later in life, there's extra pressure to give yourself a label because you want to be able to put language to that. You want to be able to explain it to people who might not really understand because they've only seen you as one type of person or one, you know, image of sexuality that they think is, you know, whatever. So I think that there's this extra pressure to do that, but at the same time, it is such a spectrum and it can also change over time. So, you know, a lot of people that I've connected with over the last few years are like, well, you know, I thought I was straight and then I came out as bi and then I came out as like lesbian. But then everyone's questioning me and saying, but you were just by. And so that brings in self-doubt. It brings in people not believing you. But there's this extra pressure because we want to be able to explain ourselves in a way that makes sense to us, but also the people we love. I agree. I think one of the things that really opened my eyes to it was even the difference between bisexual and pansexual. And bisexual is a word that's been They've both been around for a long time, but one is more common. And as we think more about the trans and non-binary community, where do they fit in a place that is literally in the binary with 
either you're heterosexual or you're homosexual, where do you fit in between? And learning that there are these additional words. And even if people don't know that you can use that as the way that you want to label yourself and still feel empowered by that. And I'm only on one dating app (laughs) and it's field. And the reason for that is because it allows for more of that space. So you can say, maybe I'm heteroflexible. So maybe it's more like what you're talking about, Heather, where I'm, I think I'm straight mostly, but maybe there's a space for something else. And it allows for a little bit more of that uncertainty and self-exploration, which I think is an area of grace we need to give everybody, especially as you are trying to really understand later in life, how do I feel in this place that I've maybe put into a little box for too long? I remember the second thing I was going to bring up, everybody cheer. Uh, So a question I have for y'all is whether you had had either of y'all, whenever you had these realizations and and you realize this about yourself, had either of you dated women before or was this brand new to you? I know for me, there was a time in my life where I was like, maybe I'll try, you know, actually dating women. But I was actually intimidated by that because I was like, I don't know if anyone's going to go out with someone who has never done this before over 40 and like, are they just going to like be annoyed at me? So I just, I was too nervous to do it. I'm curious what y'all's experience was when you were ready to actually put it out there into practice. I can go. I, I had never dated women before. I think I had wanted to, especially after my first divorce to a guy, a girl in my office, um, who had always identified as straight said that she was changing her dating app and I was newly single. And she said she was changing her app. So she was going to start dating men and women. And I thought, wow, this is so progressive. You know, like this was a while ago. And I just had myself in a tiny box, you know? And so I thought, wow, that sounds really wonderful. But before I could even do that or explore it, I jumped into that next relationship. And then I was in that for a long time and ended up marrying him. So I had never had the opportunity, but my whole life, like looking back, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty, right? All of my best friends in school, I was in love with. I was like truly in love with. They were my crushes. We, they were my first kisses. You know, they, we had so many important moments together that it felt very intimate. Like we were dating my whole life from when I was a little kid. So I didn't formally date women until I came out two years ago, but I kind of did informally my whole life. Well, I'm jealous because I never did. And I met my husband in college. And when I was in college, I've only dated probably until I was married, five men. I barely dated. I was, I don't know, do my schoolwork and go work or something. Um, There was one, I think technically my first kiss that wasn't in a like game of truth or dare was at homecoming my freshman year. We're all like at Benihana's, we're in our beautiful dresses. The girls are running to the bathroom afterwards. We're touching up our makeup. And one of my friends who's over, she's like, let me try that color. And she kisses me on the lips, just like try it. And that moment has stuck with me my entire life. And that was before I kissed my high school boyfriend. It was just this little thing and it has stuck with me my whole life. And that was the only interaction I ever had with a woman out like before I came out. And I think as you talk about the relationships that you have, are they intimate like a sisterhood? The way that we talk about some of our best friends, are they intimate like a best friend, a lover without that additional physical component? I think is really, really fascinating. I've never looked at it through that lens. I do have to share a funny story. 
So we have a group chat and we were all catching up on it. We have a, a divorce friend group chat and all four of us are in it along with a, another good friend of ours. And we were catching up on each other's love lives. And Holly, you popped in because I think we were asking her like, Holly, how's it going? And Holly popped in with, well, y'all are using the wrong pronouns. I'm dating women. I don't know that any of y'all do that, but just FYI, wrong gender. And we're yeah. still like, oh, I'm sorry. That's so great. Okay. Tell me about your new crush. <laughs> Yeah, that was sort of the reaction I got from a lot of people when they asked after I, you know, finally said, oh, I, I split with my ex and we're sharing the kids custody and oh, it's a whole thing. They're like, well, are you dating the apps and or on, are you on the dating apps? I said, oh yeah, I'm like dipping my toe in. And they're like, have you met any good guys? I'm like, funny you should ask. No, it's a good, it's a good joke. Well, this is a great seg into um, talking about coming out, um, which I know we touched on a little bit at the top. I know, I think Holly, you said that it isn't necessarily like this big pronouncement, but kind of just a little bit, um, you know, slower waves as you share and talk through it. Um, um, would either of you be willing to share, um, you know, how you felt when you first came out or kind of what that looked and felt like? I think the first, I think, for me, it was a little bit of a, oh, let me just mention this to my husband. And then let me like casually mention it to some of my friends all through a very safe lens of I am in a marriage and I have no plans on leaving it. So here's this fun little tidbit about me. It's a little bit of trivia almost. It wasn't until I decided to move forward with my divorce, not because I'm bi, but because of other um, things related to my marriage that I told my parents and I told them during the same conversation that I told them I was getting a divorce. So they were a little bit like, okay, <laughs> where do we focus? And I think I've done a lot of that where I either kind of trickle it in. I share a little Instagram story that's like bisexual awareness day. And I'm like, oh, it's me, <laughs> but I'm not, um, making a ton of big proclamations. I think maybe this will be, uh, once this is live, I can share that and I can be like, Hey guys, look at me, everybody on my social media, I identify as bisexual. But other than that, it's really been kind of piece by piece and I've done it in really safe ways. I'll, I will admit that it's been with in very small groups with some of my closest friends. It's wearing a pan flag necklace when I go to meetings and seeing who notices the, you know, pink, blue and yellow. And if they can understand what that is, um, it hasn't been big proclamations because it is still scary. It's a lot of the things around, I think a lot of that negative media and honestly the reality for a lot of younger folks of coming out is still quite intense. And so for me, it's been definitely piece by piece and not all at once, but still slowly moving into that. It still gives me a little bit of anxiety as I'm talking about. It. I can like feel the little butterflies in my stomach and it's not new. It's a big thing and I feel like backtracking to the earlier conversation about in our younger years when we're so focused on all of these big, you know, the announcements at an earlier stage of life is I'm getting married and I'm having a baby and everything comes with a lot of fanfare. And I remember, I mean, this is different, but when I was getting divorced, I was like, how do you announce this? Because when I was getting married, I was flashing my ring and like, oh, I got engaged. And when you're pregnant, you've got your bump and you're talking about it. And it's, you know, and again, it's different and I'm not trying to like complete the two together, but still it, it's, it's difficult to understand like how you bring that information out and know that people are going to be accepting and welcoming and that it's a safe conversation. 
Well, you're you're going back to the relationship escalator piece that you brought up earlier, Kelsey. I've been thinking about that a lot later too, and I really think it does such does so many of us a disservice because we treat it like a career, right? That's the other thing. The four of us all have careers that we really care a lot about, and sometimes we treat our personal lives like a career, like this step and this step, and you build on it. And I think it can really do you a disservice that maybe we're thinking about it wrong. I keep thinking about a couple months ago, I was driving with my boyfriend through his neighborhood. He lives in like the perfect family suburb, beautiful houses, big yards. They have block parties. People sit on their porch. Kids all play together. And we were driving through and I saw some people sitting out there with their kids and I got really sad. I got really sad. I might tear up right now because I was like, that's what I always wanted. And that's not ever happening now, you know, because of divorce. And I got, I got really sad about it. But boyfriend was interesting because I brought it up to him. I said, you know, do you ever get sad about that? That's just not the life you're going to have. And he was like, actually, I never thought about life that way. He said, I never had this like goal I wanted to reach with my family or this idea of this is what I wanted to have happen. I'm more appreciative of what I have right now and living in the moment and making the choices that are right for me at the time. And I was like, well... I wish I would have learned that lesson many years ago. And it just like, I don't know, it just struck me that sometimes I think we get on that train and we go way down the road and then we realize we're on the wrong road, <laughs> you know? I, so I don't know. It, 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 it's interesting to me. Now, what advice would the two of y'all have um, for other people that are maybe starting to realize these things about themselves? They're getting ready to come. They're getting ready to come out to friends, family, potentially even a lover or a partner. What are things that you would say would be good for them to think about? I would say... Try to sit with it as much as you can before you erupt and come out without, I don't want to say without planning, because sometimes it happens without planning. That happened with me. But I would say just try to understand yourself and where you're coming from and accept it in yourself before you go down that path. Maybe you don't fully accept it or understand it, but I think if you are in somewhat of a peaceful space with it, it makes it just a little bit easier. And you don't feel like you blew your life up. You know, that kind of happened to me when it came out. I couldn't bring it back in. Not that I wanted to now that I look back at it, but once it was out there with no planning and I wasn't at peace, it was like a really dark few months. I couldn't agree more. And I think the community, the community that you're building in real life is something that I have leaned on really heavily on Facebook. I think we've all talked about the importance of Facebook groups for different parts of community here, but there is a group, it's called Better Late Than Hetero, and it is my favorite place because whenever I'm feeling really uncertain about the choices that I've made or if, am, am I like bi enough, am I gay enough to to consider myself queer or to be part of this community, it helps to go to a place like that and really be able to read from other people who are going through something similar, whether they are erupting to their spouse in bed one night, or if they are slowly kind of tipping their way through it of recognizing that you're not the only person who's going through this right now. And there are groups and there are people that you can lean on, even if they're not people that you know in real life. I think Colleen and I both came out separately before we realized that we both had, um, <laughs> and having somebody else who's going through the same thing is such a powerful bolster to your experience. Community is everything. And I think when you're coming out later, you really do question whether you belong in the queer community at all. And a lot of people don't understand it. You know, there's this whole thing, at least what I experienced when I was meeting people and trying to find my own queer community is 
you know, people just don't understand. And it's not that they don't want to, it's like maybe they haven't seen it firsthand. So you do have to go and prepare to explain yourself a little bit, which is so painful. Oh my God, I just would cringe being like, well, I was married to a couple guys and now here I am dating women. I'm lesbian. And it's like, okay, the looks I got, it was a, it was a wild time. I'm sure we're going to get into the dating app thing, but the community that I found was wonderful. But also when I didn't see exactly what I wanted, I wanted to connect with other late bloomers. I had to make that on my, my own community. So I made it and I ended up connecting with a lot of people like me. So I think that if you're coming out, you don't see exactly what you want. Go on meetup, go on Facebook, make a group if you don't see the group that fits you. I mean, let's get into dating apps. Like, how has that been for y'all? What What was your experience like on there? Let me tell you, it's really easy to flirt with men. It is so hard to flirt with women. I've been on so many dates where I'm like, so are we like going to kiss at the end or are we just going to exchange numbers and go hang out at the mall later? <laughs> no idea how to read a room when it is with somebody who is uh, also a woman who I think is gorgeous, who I think they're so intelligent and they're funny. And I'm like, wait, but is this, what do I do next? Like I'm already so far out of dating and then trying to figure out how do I be flirtatious on this app where it's just instant gratification. I'm terrible at it. I, my partner right now is male because I'm like, I don't even know how to get further down this path. And also it's, it's really tricky because I don't want to be on a hunt to check a box. If that makes sense, because, because I am pan and I'm sitting, there, I'm like, oh, be, like, wouldn't it be great to have these additional experiences, but that doesn't mean that I have to go on this like special unicorn hunt for the perfect lesbian partner because that also is really inauthentic and I think is an incredibly toxic way to approach dating in the first place of saying I'm only looking for one kind of person because it needs to fulfill something in me. When you are trying to have a strong relationship, you need to both be fulfilled, you know, both need to be there for the right reasons. And I think that's been one of my biggest challenges with dating women is that I, one, am like, a 12 year old, no idea what I'm doing. And then on top of it, it's so much easier to date men for me because it's what I've always done. I know how to be like, Oh, Hey, big guy, like let's be friends and let's go on a date and let's have dinner. But with women, I feel like I have to, like, oh, I want to be her friend first. And I want to make sure there's so much in common and it has to be just right. I feel like there's so much more pressure around it. Um, and I really am trying to be very sensitive to the fact that I'm not this woman is a whole person. She's not just someone who is going to fulfill my need to date a woman and to have like a sapphic relationship. That's not what this is about. It needs to be about the person who is the best fit for me, for who we are in our lives and what we are interested in. And that has continued to be a little bit of a tug and work because I don't, I don't want to be on a hunt for just one kind of person. And it's been a challenge. Maybe it's because I'm only on one app. Maybe I'm doing this all wrong, but I feel like I also need to be pretty, pretty honest about the fact that I do, you know, date across the the gender spectrum. So I hear you, Kelsey. That makes a lot of sense. I have a different experience. I feel like it has been much easier for me to date women. I was always really awkward with guys. And I think that something a lot of late bloomers experience is like this hypersexuality with men in your years leading up to whatever. And you're, you know, you're trying to prove yourself to yourself or prove your, you know, that you're straight to yourself and to the people around you. And it's kind of like a game and there's this like hunt for this guy and you finally catch him and everything's great. And then 
and then you're like kind of over him. At least that was my experience. I know that's not the same for everybody. But then when I was dating women, it wasn't like that. And I think I went into it expecting it would be. I was expecting, you know, all of this thrill when you're first meeting someone. And it was more of a slow burn. But I will say the danger that I encountered, and I wish that someone would have warned me, is like the urge to merge in a lesbian relationship is so real. And I, you know, you hear about it. It's a stereotype, right? Everyone's like, when's the U-Haul coming? But like uh, my my big issue with dating women was that I would go on two dates and be like, I love you. You know, like, um, you know, you just, and then the date would just like last a week long. And I wasn't used to that with guys and never wanted that, but I wanted that with every single person I matched with. So I needed to like to really learn how to be selective and find someone who was right for me, not just any old person who liked me. Well, say I had an interesting conversation with boyfriend. I've, I've had many interesting conversations with my boyfriend in the last few months, but we were watching this show. I don't know if y'all are familiar naked attraction. It's a BBC show. I can't get Tyler to watch it with me. He says I have to watch it by myself, but it is wild. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's a dating show, but you pick someone purely based on physical attraction. So like it is full nudity. <laughs> apparently caused a big stir, but now it's on HBO and you can watch it. And we were watching it one day and there was, um, uh, one situation where I just turned to my boyfriend and I just said, I, cause it was a woman who was, um, she was choosing from like a set of lady candidates. And I turned to my boyfriend. I was like, you know, I don't, I'm realizing I had kind of the realization that you two are talking about. I was like, I don't think I would even know how to interact with a woman in a dating environment. Like I told you, I was too intimidated to actually try dating women. I was like, I just feel like I'll get laughed out of the room because I've never done it before and over 40 and they'd be so annoyed. And like, I just spiraled and I was like, I'm too scared. I, you know, I just, I don't know if I would even know how to deal with it. And he just looked at me. He was like, but you are a woman. I don't understand. <laughs> like it's different. It is different. You know, like it's different. And I think when you're coming out later in life, like I do that part is kind of intimidating. It's like, I feel like I should know, but I don't. It's kind of hard to put that together in your brain, I think, or at least it was for me. I think you're touching on something that I identify as imposter syndrome. There's a real imposter syndrome to going into these spaces and saying, and I think Holly, you touched on this earlier as well, of like, I don't know what I'm doing and everybody's going to know that I don't know what I'm doing. And I, what if I say the wrong thing or I do the wrong thing and it turns out I'm actually fooling myself and I'm not gay at all? Or what if I am as gay as I think I am and nobody accepts me and I'm doing it all wrong and I'm going to end up on this like little, the Isle of Lesbos by myself? Um, I think that is something that's very real, especially as you, you don't have the awkward teenagers to figure it all out. You have to come in as a fully grown adult into a space that is very different than what you've been doing before. But I, I feel that deeply. One thing that I was going to say is when I first came out, some people had asked me, well, how do you know you're gay? Like, how do you know you're a lesbian? And it was a question that I really struggled with because I didn't know the answer to it. I didn't really know. I mean, I knew that I was, but I didn't know how to speak to it. And something that I read was, well, how does that person know they're straight? Like you just know. And even though it's hard to go into dating situations and say like, well, I know I'm gay. I know it's going to work out. If you like really know yourself and like what you're looking for, it'll find a way to work out. You know, maybe it's going to take a little bit of trial and error, but it you really, I promise you'll figure it out. 
Yeah, I would think that there's just a that space of giving yourself the ability to explore and figure those pieces out. And Kelsey, when you were talking earlier, it reminded me of one of my friends who identifies as bisexual. She's only ever dated men. Um, she's very happy with her relationship and her long-term partner. She's like, but I'm absolutely bisexual, but I just, you know, I'm just with him and this works. And I like your kind of point of view that you're not looking to check those boxes. Um, but I would guess based on what you shared that being able to know yourself better and understand what you want and how, what you're interested in and being able to talk about it and be open you'll lead yourself down those paths of what fits at the right time. I think at any point in dating, especially after a big life change, we think that we just need to go after everything all the time rather than taking our time to like understand what works for us, no matter what that is. Divorce definitely causes a lot of chaos and speaking of divorce. So you were both married um, fairly recently and the divorce process and you, as you shared, you came out during um, your marriages. Um, I've been kind of prepping for this episode and doing some research and trying to kind of understand what directions to go in and what to talk about. And I read a lot of articles about how um, coming out and during a marriage can cause your you know, spouse to feel some feelings about what maybe they didn't know about you during that time. And I was curious if either of you hit any resentment or any issues with your now former spouses. So I'm still technically married. We're in mediation. It's just taking a long time and we love each other and respect each other. We still have a great relationship. I mean, he was just over my house yesterday, you know, but at the same time, the last couple of years have been really hard for him and he's resented me. He's pitied me. He's felt bad for himself. He's felt lied to. And I'm lucky I guess lucky and unlucky in that he's voiced those feelings to me and let me know exactly what he's going through and how he's feeling and, you know, the things that are coming up for him in therapy. It's felt hard and it's like a grieving process. He's grieving our relationship and I did too, but I think because I kind of had an inkling about myself before, even if I wasn't planning on ever coming out or didn't even really know exactly what those feelings were. I started processing it sooner than he did. So when I came out to him and just said, hey, guess what? I think I'm gay. It was completely out of left field. And I mean, like, where do you begin with that? It's a lot. And we were together for a long time. We have three little kids, very intertwined life. We're best friends. And so he has gone through a lot of emotions. And I feel bad that I put him through that sometimes but I feel better for me for being honest with myself and with him too. He deserves somebody who's going to love him so completely and not, you know, try to make it work just because. That's so beautiful. I love that story. Um, mine is not exactly the same. It's, and I wasn't sure if I was going to talk about it, but I'm going to talk about it anyway. So part of this whole process was I met up with a friend and she's like, I'm also bi we have opened our relationship so we can start, I can explore. And I was like, oh, that's so cool. You guys were so progressive. We would never. And then I came home and I was like, so I met with so-and-so and they are experimenting with women. Like, how cool is that? I'm like, what are you going to say? Yeah. <laughs> Where is this conversation going to go? And we ended up um, 
towards the end of our marriage, actually opening up our relationship with the intention of me being able to have some of this exploration. And of course, not just one-sided because that would be incredibly unfair. But I think there was a little bit of opening up our relationship with the intent of me having some experiences with women, trying to understand what a relationship would look like there, uh, kissing a girl for real, (laughs) not in a Benihana bathroom, like how can I validate myself by having like a, a beautiful kiss in an alleyway with a lady? Um, and I think there was a little bit of feeling like too, because we got to that point. I was like, you know, this is fun, but I kind of think I need to be open to men as well. And really sitting with that and trying to feel like it's not that you're not enough. It's that now I we've honestly opened a can of worms and I don't know where to go from here because it feels really inauthentic to only match with women. Um, Because if the intent here is for me to explore my sexuality, it is really going to be across the whole spectrum of gender and only limiting myself to women feels feels wrong and it doesn't feel like the right fit. Um, And so I think that's, it was a little bit tough. And I think that was really hard for him because it wasn't that I was being dishonest. Cause I really did. I was like, I just want to go make out with a lady. Like this, this is my, my soul needs this. And then eventually shifting to being open across the board, I think did feel like a bait and switch. And it's something that I wish I could have done better because that he should never have felt lied to, even though I think I was just lying to myself, right? Like you, when you believe it to be the truth so deeply, you were telling somebody the truth, but when you're, you're simultaneously lying to yourself about what you are and who you are and where you want to be. I think that was quite challenging. And now that we've done, we are also t- still technically married. It is still taking a long time when you've been married for, you know, double digits. It takes a long time to pull all of the pieces of your life apart, but we're, I think we're getting to a place where it's a little bit better and he can kind of understand what I meant and what I intended and how it showed up and the way that I just didn't have a clear answer. And I was muddling through. And even as we were talking about opening up our relationship, it was so much of it was in jest for months. Like we brought this up in say March, we didn't open anything up until the fall. And we spent six months joking around. Hey, I'm going over to so-and-so's house and be like, are you going to make out? I don't know. No, I'm not going to, we're, we're friends. We are platonic friends. It was never going to be that. But thinking about this space of how do we talk about the hard thing and pretending that it's a joke and maybe it's never going to happen um, in an attempt to not hurt each other's feelings without being direct, you're going to hurt each other's feelings even worse. And I think that was one of the things that was really, really clear. And as you're, you're talking about advice for others is you have to be honest with yourself about who you are and what you want as much as you possibly can be before you start telling others, because you do end up in this space where you can hurt other people without intending intending to, you're just still trying to protect your yourself from all of the potential forces outside of it. All right. So Kelsey and Holly, as we prepare to say goodbye, I know our listeners would love to know, and this is something I like to ask people too. If you could go back and tell your younger self about your life today, what would you want to say? Kiss the girl, do it. It's okay. <laughs> Listen to Sebastian. I was, yeah, I think that that's the big thing is the people who are important to you will love you either way. 
And if they don't, you'll find somebody else. Like, I think I have a lot of really close friends who I can lean on and it's all, I'm an only child too. So this idea of chosen family is really, really important in creating that community. If it's who you are, it's okay to try. And it may not be, I may never marry a woman. I may find the perfect woman tomorrow. All of that stuff is uncertain. You can't, you can't plan for it. And so just go and kiss the girl, kiss the boy, do both, spin the bottle and whoever it lands on, kiss them. Don't pretend that you're not interested because all that's going to do is make you feel less confident. And I will say that I think I am more confident in who I am today right now than I've been in decades. And I'm like, I'm, I have visible piercings. I have visible tattoos. I have pink hair now. I think there's so much of me that's like, I am who I am. And I'm really, really loud about it. But I've been really quiet about it for a really long time. And so that shift over the last few years has been really, really important of just like stepping in and taking up space as my entire body instead of just who I thought I needed to be to be successful, however I defined it. I don't think that answered your question. It's a little bit more. I love it. Beautiful. It was beautiful, Kelsey. Plus one to all of that. I would just tell myself that it's never too late to make a change, whether it's getting out of a relationship, starting something new, picking up a new hobby, like literally anything you want to do in your life. It's never too late. And like someone had said that to me when I first came out and it really stuck with me. It might've been in a support group or a therapist or something. And I loved it so much. I, I got it tattooed on my hand, never too late. So like literally I'd stare at that all the time, every day. And I would just remind myself that. And like, I'm also so much happier than I thought I ever could be. And it's hard in those dark moments to see past that and see outside of it. But, you know, I just moved in with my girlfriend and I'm very much in love. And just like, I never, ever thought I could feel like that. I didn't know it was possible. And getting outside that comfort zone and getting in the messy the messy middle, they call it, is so worth it. Go through the mess and you'll have to just dig in, do some self-work and you're going to get outside of it. And it's going to be so much better than you ever could have imagined. Holly, you are so good at the breaking news, dropping in big bombs in the middle of conversations. I love it so much. I'm sitting in our shared bedroom. Listen, we have five kids uh, together all in this house and it's a big change. It's only been a couple of weeks, but it is bliss. I love it so much. I, you know, we're wrapping up towards the end a little bit, but before we go into our ending, I just want to say, you know, the four of us have known each other, I think 10 to 15 years. It's been a long time. We've seen each other through wedding planning for a couple of us, multiple weddings <laughs> all the way through the divorce process. And I just have to say, I just feel so thankful to have such empathetic, brave women in my life. Um, I have to laugh because there was a time where Kelsey and I could not go to coffee without both of us having an ugly cry. And I think we finally got into the other side of that. And I, you know, I, I, we've all known each other for a long time. And I have to say, as I know all of you today, you are the most bold, full color versions of yourself that I have ever known in the entire time I've known you. And it just makes me so happy. I don't know, Heather, you're going to make me cry and we're not even over <laughs> <a> coffee. <laughs> 
Well, on that note, that was lovely. Um, This has been such a helpful conversation. Thank you both, Kelsey and Holly, for being so open to share your stories, because I know what you're talking about is going to resonate with so many people who maybe aren't ready to talk about um, what's going on in their lives and just being, I think, again, this whole topic of just being open and seeing what happens in life is so important. So thank you both. And with that, season four of Thirsty comes to an end. So it's our season finale, and we couldn't have ended on a better note. So again, thank you all. And thank you to all of our listeners for joining us on this journey as we've looked at the world around us through fresh eyes this season. Thanks so much. Thank you. Still thirsty? You can find us on Instagram and Facebook at Thirsty the Podcast. Share this show with your community. Rate, review, and follow us wherever you get your podcasts.